0: Thank you for tuning into Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Well, hey, good morning, Emmanuel Faith. If you're joining us online, special welcome to you also. Yes, I'm so excited that you're here today. We are jumping into a four week series to start our year. We'll be back in the Gospel of John after this series, but we're going to start the year focusing on prayer. So I'm inviting you to 21 days of prayer. We're gonna have prayer nights each Wednesday for the next three weeks. I would invite you to come out for those 6.30 over in the chapel. We're gonna seek the face and the hand of God together. Um, and during our time uh, in, on Sunday mornings, we're gonna be walking through the Lord's Prayer and trying to learn from Jesus how to become people of prayer. My, my prayer, my hope has been that God would reinvigorate a passion for his name that you and I would seek Him at the beginning of this year in a way that would be maybe a little bit different than we've sought Him in the past, that we would see His hand move in our midst and that we together would become more passionate about prayer because of the way that we see God moving in our lives and in our church body. But I wanna begin this series and this focus with a confession. Prayer is hard. Uh, let, me, let me say it more personally, prayer is hard for me, for me. Um, m- like m- most of you probably, I was, I was raised and educated in um, sort of a Western model of education that's fairly um, individualistic. And um, I tend to invest my time most where I can see dividends most explicitly. Like I, I look for ROI, right? Return on my investment. And um, prayer is a bit enigmatic, isn't it? I mean, if God is all sovereign and all knowing and all wise, like why would he care what I pray? In fact, he shouldn't, but he does. My guess is you've prayed prayers that you thought God should have answered, that he maybe answered no or not yet. God, would you heal this person? God, would you provide a job for us? You know our needs. God, would you restore this marriage? Like things that are, seem to be like really in line with, with your will and your way and your heart and yet you don't answer in the way that we think you should, if we're honest, right? Anybody else, prayer is a bit challenging for you? Here, here's the other, on the other side of that same coin, prayer is ubiquitous. Like prayer is a part of the universal journey. Like all of us pray on some level. There is prayer going on right now um, by Buddhists in the Himalayas who are hanging prayer flags and praying. There are people pilgrimaging across. India in order to plunge themselves in the River Ganges, in order to seek healing and restoration. There are Muslims who are bowing five times every day to pray, facing towards Mecca, believing that God will hear their prayers. One of the most powerful moments for me in going to Israel last year was standing at the Western Wall and seeing a group of Jewish men on one side and women on the other side pouring their hearts out before God. And then you can go to metropolitan areas all across the US and you'll see people doing yoga and practicing mindfulness and meditating, praying. Today, later on, when you watch those football games that I'm sure you're gonna watch, you'll see players and their fans praying. Maybe just, maybe God does care who wins the game. I wish he cared more about the Broncos, but he doesn't. (laughs) Turns out. Like prayer is everywhere and it always has been. To pray in so many ways is to be human. To be human is to pray. So it shouldn't surprise us that when we read the New Testament, we start to see the life of Jesus that he was a, a person of, of prayer. Listen to the way Mark recorded one of his prayer sessions. He says, in rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Now, this isn't Um, sort of an anomaly to Jesus's life. This is a a distinct part of the the core of his daily rhythm, his practice. He was seen often doing things like this, waking up when it was dark, going out to seek his father and then coming back to be with people. Maybe, just maybe, that's why he was so emotionally resilient and able to be with people in a way that was redeeming and life-giving. See, Jesus prayed when the pressures of fame were pressing in around him, Jesus prayed when the horror of the cross was in front of him. Jesus prayed when the pain of the cross threatened to overtake him. When you squeeze Jesus's life, what comes out is prayer. What comes out is prayer. But but Jesus prayed differently than other people prayed so much so that the people that were following him around, who we call his disciples, asked him to teach them how to pray. Listen to the way that Luke records it. He said this, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Now, if you were to take your Bible and walk through the entire New Testament, looking for things that the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to do. They do not ever ask Jesus, teach us how to teach, teach us how to preach, teach us how to run a church, teach us how to build a budget, teach us how to heal, teach us how to drive out demons, the one thing, the one thing the disciples are recorded as ac- explicitly asking Jesus to teach them how to do is pray. Is pray, which means that There must've been something different about the way that Jesus prayed. I mean, these people are growing up in a religiously saturated environment. They have grown up around prayer. They have seen people pray, but there must have been something different about the way that Jesus prayed. And they went, we wanna pray like you. You, you, that's, That's different and we want some of it. I don't know if you've ever been in a prayer gathering where somebody, maybe you would say something like this, would say, I just don't really know how to pray. And probably a well-intentioned person would say something like this, it's easy. It's just, how do you think they might finish that phrase? It's just talking to God. It's simple. But what's interesting to me is that when Jesus was asked, teach us how to pray, he didn't say, it's easy. It's just talking to God. That's not what he said. And so what I would say is prayer is not less than talking to God, but maybe there's more to learn. And just like you can have a communicative relationship with your spouse that's life-giving and where you feel like there's communication that really does happen or with a friend that really does happen, and then you can be offering words that it doesn't seem like are landing, I think maybe prayer functions in the same way. We could say it like this, not all prayer is created equal, which is why when the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, he does. If you have your Bible, would you open with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be studying together one of the most memorized and repeated sections of scripture in the whole Bible as a preacher that gives me great fear and trepidation. My fear is that you'll just check out and it will become like white noise. Our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? You've heard it probably. And my guess is maybe you've even repeated it or said it or know it, but that doesn't make it any less important. (laughs) And I would just say this to you. My hope is that you come ready to engage and expecting a fresh word from God over the last few weeks as I've been studying this prayer, God has been showing me things that I've never seen before and I can't wait to unpack them with you. But before Jesus ever teaches his disciples how to pray, he teaches them how not to pray. How's that for not all prayer is considered equal? How's that for maybe prayer is a little bit more than just talking to God? Maybe there's a way... It's fruitful and life-giving and a way to do it. And Jesus starts with, let's talk about how not to do it first. When you pray, not if, but when, you must not be like the hypocrites, the, the actors, the people who are just playing a part. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, Would you just say this with me, church? That they may be seen by others. Truly, Jesus says, I say to you, they've received their reward. So if the reason that they're praying is to be seen by others, all they're gonna get out of prayer is being seen by others. That's it. He says, but on the contrary, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. We'll talk a little bit more about what that reward is, not only today, but as we walk through this series. But Jesus says, um, when you pray, let's start about, let's talk first about how not to pray. Don't pray for the applause of other people. Don't pray for the applause of other people. But people back in Jesus's day would have seen rabbis praying and they would have been very demonstrative in their prayers. And, and Jesus says, man, that's just not what prayer's about. I, I, was, I was trying to think through how, what our modern day application of this would be. And I think that there are some people when you hear them pray out loud, it's like they founded DeLorean somewhere, went back in time to when the King James English was spoken and they pray as though they're reading the King James version of the Bible. We beseech thee, thou, O Lord, that thou comest amongst us, right? And like, you're like, I know him and he doesn't normally talk like that. In fact, I don't even know if he knows what that means, right? And yet when we pray, sometimes we go into this, like this other mode where Jesus would say, gosh, maybe you're doing that just to impress people but he goes, it doesn't impress me, just be yourself. Like just be yourself and pour your heart out to me. It doesn't need to be flowery language, just come and be normal, talk like you talk. He says this, and when you pray, This is the second thing he says, his knots of prayer. Do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. The second don't of prayer is, don't feel like you need to use meaningless repetition. Like the more that you say something, somehow equals the more that God will respond. I think that's sort of the, the Hare Krishna model of prayer. That 16 word phrase that if you've seen a Hare Krishna praying, they just repeat over and over and over. Um, a, mindful, a mindless sort of mantra that's just repeated. And Jesus goes, you don't need to pray like that. Here's why you don't need to pray like that. Because God already knows what you need. So you can just echo back and you can tell him And it can be brief and genuine and honest and powerful. And you can have confidence in that prayer because God is who he is. Um, I would even say that God knows what you need better than you know what you need. So sometimes maybe our prayer is, God, you know way better than me. So you do what you know needs to be done. It's not just mindless over and over and over going before him. And maybe some of the ways that we do this in our, in our day, in our time, in our stream is um, maybe by just repeating over and over, Father God, Papa God, Daddy God. Like it's on repeat, every phrase after that, it's like God, 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 Father God. Maybe that's an application of what Jesus would say. Gosh, you, maybe you don't need to do that. So if those are the ways we don't pray, uh, maybe the question is, All right, well, how do we pray? And that's where Jesus starts to teach us his prayer. These are words that the church has prayed for roughly 2,000 years. Every morning and every evening, the early church would pray this prayer. And I think as we pray it, we stand on holy and sacred ground. Listen to the way that Jesus teaches us how to pray. So pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, how will it be your name? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna explore every word of this prayer. But my hope is that it's far more than an explanation, but that it's an invitation in to a new map and a new model and a new way to pray. I hope that as you start to pray this prayer, maybe every morning and every evening, that you not only start to get to know God better, but that he begins to invite you into the triune life of God and into the mission that God is on in our world in new and fresh ways. Because as we read this prayer we get to see the concerns that are on Jesus's heart like we get an insight into the life of God and the things that are important for God and notice where Jesus begins this prayer our father in heaven how will it be your name I don't know about you but uh, my prayer so often begins God there's some things on my mind and most of them are me anybody with me hey God, let's start by talking about me because I've got some pain and I've got some problems and I've got some issues and I believe that you have a solution, which is true. So let's just start with me. I think so much of our prayer could be reflected in that popular song that's on country radio right now by a guy named Jelly Roll who sings, I only talk to God when I need a favor. And I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. So let's just start there, God, and let's talk about me. Let's talk about my issues. Let's talk about my problems. Let's, and then <laughs> we'll see where it goes from there, but let's talk first about me. And Jesus totally flips that script. He says, listen, you want the Jesus model of prayer? You wanna learn how to pray like I pray? Here's what he tells his disciples first. Don't start with you, start with God. Remember who God is. Remember what God's done. Remember who you are in light of God. Start with God. Focus on God's character before you present your needs. Start with him. The first phrase is all about him. It's all about him. And there's three words that I just wanna do a dive into today in light of this idea that we would start with God before we start with us. It's the word father, the word heaven, and the word hallowed. So a word on each. First, our father. Uh, Some people would just summarize the whole prayer as the prayer is entitled our father. Father, But it's as though Jesus begins with wanting to just hit reset on prayer by reminding us who it is that we are talking to. He's like, before you ever start asking for anything, just remember who it is that you are talking to. People in Jesus's day often would have started their prayers, Lord, or maybe rock or Lord of hosts. If you read through the Psalms, many of which are prayers, you'll see God addressed that way. And God is referred to as Father in the Old Testament on a few different occasions, but He's never addressed as Father. It's never personalized. And Jesus is saying, you can personalize it. In fact, You should personalize it. When you go to prayer, remember first who God is, he's father. And that one word brings together two things that we often find bifurcated and Jesus brings them together. And he says, no, 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 it's both. God as father means that God is both personal and powerful. That he's personal and powerful. When we say God, our father, our father in heaven, we are reminding ourselves that he is powerful, that he is the creator, and that he is the sustainer of everything we see around us. I love the way that the prophet Isaiah would capture it. He said this, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, but you're the potter. We are the work of your hands. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in our mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully known, known full well by the God who created us, who Jesus calls Father. This is my Father's world. So it's not just that he created us, it's that he created Everything And when we pray our father, we're going, you're the creator, you're the sustainer. You're the one who keeps the world spinning. You're the one who puts breath in my lungs. And when we say our father, we remind ourselves in our hearts, it's not about me. It's not about me. I saw this picture this week and it just um, captured my imagination and my heart. It's a, it's a picture from the backside of the moon, looking back at earth. And what struck me was how small Earth looked, <laughs> how just sort of out there it feels, how unsafe it, it feels to be, if I'm quite honest. Like that, that blue ball is spinning at a ridiculous rate, and somehow we are located on it. This is my Father's world. This is not my world. This is your world. You are the sustainer, you are the source. You are the creator and by your grace, I am here on this little blue ball that's spinning at a ridiculous rate and taking a breath and experiencing this thing that we call life. And it's all gift. It's all gift. I, like, nobody, nobody looks at the Northern light and goes, man, I'm amazing or I'm awesome. Like nobody gets to the top of a 14,000 foot peak for sunrise, sees the sun sort of start to tick over the horizon and goes, gosh, you know what? I've got a lot to be proud of in my life. Like nobody sees the seasons change or the salmon swim upstream or looks at a redwood scraping the sky and beats their chest and says, gosh, I've got a great resume and aren't I amazing? No, it takes our breath away and we go, God, you are amazing and you are creative and you are good and somehow you're holding the whole thing together. And that's all summarized in this one word that Jesus invites us to start our prayer with, Father, Father. But, It's also personal, not just powerful, but personal because father, if God is our father, that means we are his children. And so in one word, Jesus is inviting us to not only remember how great and how powerful God is, but also how loved we are. Did you know that the enemy's greatest tactic in your life will be to try to erode your trust in God? That's the thing that he wants to do most. You know how I know that? That's the inception of sin in our world. The serpent comes to Eve and tempts her and listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. Wow, God said you'll die? You surely will not die. For God knows that when you eat of that tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. You'll surely won't die. God's God's lying to you. No, and what's gonna happen is your eyes are gonna be open. God's holding out on you. And that's the inception of sin. That's the original lie. And it's the lie and the core that we often go back to when we fall into sin, when we feel like we're worthless, when life feels like it's spinning out of control. What's really going on underneath in our soul is we're having trouble trusting in our father. And so Jesus says, just start with Father. God is powerful, but it also means that God is loving. I love the way that St. Ignatius of Loyola put it when he said, sin is an unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness or good, think of it that way. Sin is distrust, and so Jesus invites us, pray, Father, remember he's powerful and remember he's loving. Remember that he is good. And so let me just sort of um, step outside of this for a moment. And I think that we just need to talk about how painful that word or name father can be for a lot of people. There's people in this room, you grew up with a father who was abusive um, a father who didn't model what a good father would look like, or just had a strained relationship with your father. And so when Jesus invites us to pray our father, there's so much baggage that a lot of people bring into those two words. And I think we just need to acknowledge that. But the other thing that I want you to see is that what Jesus is doing is he's inviting us to flip the script of the way that we often view things. Because we often view it and our lens is we're here and our, our earthly father or our mother are here and then God is in back of them. So the way that we view God is shaped and tainted by the way that we experience our earthly father or our parents. So we go, God is like them. And what Jesus wants us to do in praying our father is flip that around to say, we're here, God is our good, perfect, providing, caring, loving, heavenly father is here. And then our earthly parents are there so that we view them through the lens of God. We view them as comparing them to the way that our heavenly father treats us and interacts with us rather than the other way around. And when we start doing that, we're able then to Forgive our parents for some of the ways that they failed. Gosh, I'm I'm a dad and I'm gonna fall short every day. Anybody with me? I'm not gonna live up to painting a picture for my kids of what their heavenly father is ultimately like. I will fail in that every time. And so Jesus is inviting us, remember who God is. He's a provider. He's powerful and he is loving. And one of the things praying our father reminds us of is that we can call God father because he calls us children. It's the only reason we can do that. And it's from this posture of belovedness that then we can live the life of discipleship. We pray as God's children, you guys, We come before our dad in heaven. Jesus is passionate about helping you know your heavenly father in the same way that he knows his heavenly father. Catch that. He goes, you can pray exactly like me, guys. Our father in heaven. Saw this picture that just struck me. It's a picture of JFK when he was president in the Oval Office with his kids running around. You know how much security you need to get into the Oval Office? You know how much clearance and credentials you need in order to get into one of the most powerful spaces in our nation? Unless, unless you're the president's kids. Then you walk in, based not on credentials, but on relationship, based not on what you've done or what's behind your name, but because of whose name you carry. And Jesus says, I want you to picture prayer just like this. You are walking in to the throne room of your heavenly father. You have access because he has made you by faith, his kids, he's extended his grace to you. He loves you so you can boldly approach the throne of God and find grace and help in your time of need. Call him father. He's powerful and he's personal. He loves you. It's a game changer, you guys. It's a game changer. Secondly, keep reading. Jesus says, our father in where? Heaven. heaven. Now, I think this should be a great comfort to us on two levels. Number one, heaven is a place where God reigns. It's a place where he rules. Read Revelation chapter one through five and see all the depictions of heaven. See the Lamb seated on the throne. See people gathering around the throne to worship and praise and give honor to God. As the great hymn says, This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, he is the ruler yet. When I remember that God is father in heaven, I'm reminding myself that he rules and that he reigns and that he is high above it all. But just like father brings together two things that we often find at um, odds with each other, heaven does the same thing. Because when you and I pray, pray about God being in heaven, my guess is our mind immediately goes to something like, God in a galaxy far, far away. And it means that God is like distant, like way, way, way out there and inaccessible. But to a Jewish person in the first century, when they would pray in heaven, what they would hear is God who's all around us. Like God who's as close as our very breath. God who rules and reigns, but God who is here because we live in a multidimensional interconnected universe. We are surrounded by the heavens. The heaven is not somewhere way out there. Heaven is somewhere as close as our breath. As Darrell Johnson, the great Daryl Johnson put it. He said, Jesus is telling us that there is a throne all around us and that someone is sitting on it. So at one point when we say God is in heaven, we are declaring that he rules over the universe and that he is as close as our very breath all in one word. So heaven brings together what we would say is the imminence and the transcendence of God. That he is both close, as close as your breath, and that he is as powerful as ruling over the entire universe universe. I think when we pray our Father in heaven, one of the things that should come back to our mind is just how intimate and real God is. We talked at the very beginning about the reward that God gives to those who pray in secret, that he gives a reward in secret. And I think sometimes we imagine that that reward will be answering our prayer. And and I think that there are times when that is a reward. But there's a reward that we get every time. Even if God says not yet or no. And the reward is is intimacy with Him. Like Ultimately, we don't pray to get something. We pray to know God. We pray to be in relationship with God. We pray so that the God who rules and reigns in heaven will remind our hearts that He is as close as the very breath that we take. That's the gift. He is the reward. Our father in heaven, how will it be your name? So first, um, what's what's in a name? Like, why are we praying about God's name? Well, in the ancient world, a name was a way of talking about the entirety of a person's character, their attributes, or their personhood. So we're saying, God, we wanna pray ultimately that you would be Hallowed, which is a bit King Jamesy, isn't it? Like if, we're, if we could just be honest, like how many of you have used the word "hallowed" ever, other than praying this prayer? Like probably not. Probably not. The word, the verb "hallowed," um, literally means to make holy or to set apart or to declare as different. So it's 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 sort of like saying, um, God, holify your name, make it holy in our midst, and. The fascinating thing about this is this verb, hallowed in the Greek, is an imperative. That means it's a command. You think about the brazen nature of this prayer. God, holify your name. God, and it's passive. So God, you make your name holy in our midst. You do it, which is a bit interesting and perplexing to pray commands back to the one who we've already established keeps this whole thing spinning and working. And yet it's what he invites us to pray. But it should strike us as a bit strange because isn't God already holy? Like and how does you or me praying about God making his name holy, making it, make it any more holy? How does that add anything to the equation? If you are asking that question, here's my answer to it. Jesus is inviting us to participate in the agenda of heaven, which is the glory of God. He's inviting us to pray for one of the things that's closest to his heart, that his name would be beautiful and amazing and glorious and majestic in our midst. Praying, hallowed be your name, is like praying, God, make your name both more real and more sacred in our lives and in our midst. And I think this prayer, this portion of the prayer, confronts us with the question, do we want that? Do we want God to be more real? Do we want God to be more set apart, more holy in our midst? And I just warn you, before you say yes, there's probably some things that you're going to need to let go of in order to pray that with a sense of genuineness to it. Because God, if your name is holy, that means that, and set apart and different and lifted up, then maybe that means that my name isn't. If your agenda is lifted up, maybe that means that mine isn't. If we start with you, God, maybe it means that you call the shots and I don't. And God, maybe it means that this isn't this life isn't ultimately about my comfort, but that it's about your purposes. It's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. I love the way that um, Daryl Johnson, I mentioned him before, he wrote a great book. If you're looking for a companion um, study for this series, I would highly suggest Daryl Johnson's book, 57 Words That Changed the World. And in it, his section on Hallowed Be Your Name stopped me in my path. Because here's what he said. He said the best way to apply praying Hallowed Be Your Name is to take the different names of God in scripture and ask God to make those characteristics more real and more sacred in our lives. So let's just try that on for size and see what it might look like. There's a lot of names of God listed in the scripture. We'll start with his only proper name listed. So if you're introduced to God, he would say, hi, my name is Yahweh. Nice to meet you. And it means that he's the covenant keeping personal God of Israel. So praying Yahweh, make your name more sacred and real in our midst is saying, God, would you make us more aware that you are here, that you are personal that you know us, that you know our needs, that you care about us, that you love us, and that you are a promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God, that all of the promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Make that more real in my life and in our midst. God, have your way. Hallow your name. And it might look like praying Yahweh Jireh, that name of God that means the Lord will provide. How many of you need God to be a provider today? Yeah, so we pray God, make your name more holy and make your name more real in our lives. And one of your names is provider. So God, you know, you know what's going on in our lives. You know where we need your provision. We know You know where we need to see your hand move and work. Would you have your way? Would you be Yahweh Jireh, the provider for us physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, everything we need. God, hallow your name. Hallow your name. You are Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. How many of you need God to be a healer today? Yeah, our prayer is, God, would you heal what's broken? Would you mend up, God, what's been torn apart by sin and bad decisions and all sorts of things? God, would you heal our bodies? Would you heal our soul? Would you heal our relationship? Would you heal your world? Be Yahweh Rapha. Make your name hollowed in our midst, real and sacred, because we see it move on our behalf. You are Yahweh Nisi, you are the Lord who is our banner. That means that God is victorious. So if you're caught in the throes of addiction, if you're entering this new year going, there is no way forward. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure where to go. It just doesn't feel like I'm making any progress. Hallow his name. Like ask him to make his name Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is our banner. He's the victorious one to make it more sacred, more real in our midst. He's Yahweh Mechadesh, the Lord who sanctifies, the Lord who makes holy. Some of you need to pray this name back to God because you are absolutely covered in sin and shame and guilt and you have forgotten that He is Yahweh Mechadesh, that He is the God who makes you holy. He's the God who sanctifies you. He's the God who washes you clean. Pray, God, hallow your name in my life that sin may have no dominion over me so that shame would have no grip on me, so that guilt would have no control over me. Hallow your name. You are Yahweh Shalom, the Lord who is our peace. So God, make your name holy by giving us a peace that transcends all understanding. Make your name holy by bringing peace to Jerusalem and peace to Israel and peace to the Middle East and peace to those conflicts. Lord, do it in here and do it out there. Make your name great, because your name is Yahweh Shalom. And you are Yahweh Sedeqinu. You are the God of righteousness. So Lord, show me where I'm wrong. Make your name great. Show me the path. Lord, bring the judgment that you need to bring in order to correct us so that we might walk in your way with your heart. You guys, I love, I love praying back the names of God because we, are, we start to understand his character better. And God always acts, always acts in alignment with his character. So when you've failed, pray back his names. When you're in pain, pray back his name. When you're doubting, pray back his name. When you are in your best moments, pray back his name. Ask him to hallow his name in our midst. And that's just the first few words. I can't wait. 57 words that can change the world. He's powerful. He's personal. He's imminent. He's transcendent. He's real. He's sacred all in the first phrase, Jesus says to you and to me, I wanna teach you how to pray because there's nothing better. It's mysterious, it's ubiquitous, but there's nothing better. And here's the first thing he wants to teach us, start with him, not with you. Because when we begin with worship, it gives us an entirely new perspective. Here's the invitation for your friends. Um, number one, 21 days of prayer. I wanna invite you on this journey. Um, you can either download this 21 day of prayer journey from our website, just go to efcc.org resources. You'll find it there. Or you can come to our Wednesday night prayer gathering and get a paper copy there. If you don't come to the Wednesday night prayer gathering though, you can only get the digital. So see you there. <laughs> but I do wanna genuinely invite you to pray over these next few weeks together for each other and for a movement of God in our midst. Secondly, when you leave, you're gonna get a teach us to pray card and on the back of it is printed the Lord's Prayer. And I wanna invite you over these next, this, this next week to commit to praying the Lord's Prayer in the morning and the evening every day. But here's my challenge. Don't just mow through it. Take at least five minutes to pray it every morning and every evening and see what Jesus might reveal to you and might do in our midst together. I love that we get to go to the table together because at the table we're reminded that we pray to our father, not just my father, our Father, which means that we're all his children by faith, and it also means that we're brothers and sisters with one another. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.